Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Tommy is about to books. One, two, one, two, three, four. Welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Happy Tuesday, Sydney. It's a new, new day. It's a brand new era for Sawbones. A brand new era of Sawbones where we launch on Tuesday. So that we can get you through hump day. That's the next day. Hump day. Save it for hump day or just burn it now. It's okay. Whatever you want to do. Either way. Completely fine by us. We're filling your podcast void on Tuesday. All right, Sydney, I'm ready. Educate me. Help me expand my horizons. Uh, well, Justin, I'm really excited about about this week's episode because I, I think I learned a really important lesson while I was researching this. So we're going to talk about um, a guy. We're going to talk about some a famous name in medicine, uh, okay. Royal Raymond Rife, which is okay. a great name, that by the way. A, it's a good start. Royal Rife. Uh, and um, before I tell you about him, let me just say that uh, I really, you know, researching royal rife was a real testament to what a great resource the internet is um you know it's like the thing i like about it the most is that everything on the internet is true and it's completely reliable i mean it's like this giant electronic encyclopedia that you know is well researched you know it's cross-referenced well well well, well, let me let me stop you there said uh what i'm somebody who works on the internet uh works i'm doing air quotes for those of you at home i work on the internet and you it's not exactly as you've imagined it here it's a there's a little more to it than that well but i i mean i i found i mean on royal rife like i i found just pages and pages of information that i mean clearly it, it's all true, right? Why else would all these people be writing this stuff if it if it wasn't okay? You know, factual. Tell you, tell you what, let's apply a critical eye here. Why don't you pop open a couple of the web pages you've used as reference for your research before we uh, get started? Uh, go ahead and open. Okay. Up, up. Well, I'll just I'll pick one here at random because I mean, there's a lot. Like, th- really, I was kind of planning on doing like a 15 part series. Okay, 15 parts sounds a little excessive. So, here's me, here's one of my favorites. Let me look. Okay. See, right away, I'm seeing the problems here. Do you see on the side of the page here this giant banner ad for the Illuminati and the dangers of the Illuminati? Well, I mean, I, I try not to pay attention to advertising. Okay, you see, know, that is going to be but... that's gonna be a big tip-off that the information has uh, some, some problems to it. Let me look at this other tab that you've got open here. Yeah, this one's better. This is better. Do you see how one of the links, though, is about a guy who can shape clouds with his mind? 
Is that a problem? That is a problem. Here's what I need you to do, Sid. I need you to, let's take a break, quick break. Uh, you dive back into your research uh, of your 15-part planned series on Royal Raymond Rife, uh, which, I, don't get me wrong, very excited about the possibilities of a 15-part uh, Sawbones I mean, episode. it's going to be great. Yeah. Why don't you take a critical eye at your research with the understanding that maybe some things on the internet aren't true in the classical sense and then and then we'll come back okay is it is it really easy to tell i mean do you yeah just look for uh, ads for scientology uh-huh uh and some of the the uh like a banner ad for the illuminati not great cloud shaping oh. some real big tip-offs other real obvious lies that are there okay right. so like that that one right there with the picture of like the aliens building the pyramids yeah that's a that's, that's not a good probably not bad a good right sign. Isn't take it? another take another credit get it and we'll be right back okay well how'd it go okay so maybe not 15 parts yeah maybe, maybe just the one part just the one part just right. maybe just the a one lot of lies. there's a lot of stuff out there that isn't true yeah i and mean welcome. i'm just saying like is nobody editing this is there nobody looking out for us no. people who are no. trying to research and find out the truth no i'm sorry sydney it's a vast wasteland out there all right well as it turns out we're here's our one part series on royal rife on it's not stuff, even a series now on the stuff that is probably true about <laughs> royal Raymond the stuff rife. that i could actually find you know what's interesting is that the topic i should point out before we get too deep suggested by matt so thank you so much matt yeah thank you matt this turned out to be a great topic because what was very interesting is that there were literally probably two sources that I could 100% rely on outside of things like Wikipedia, which is even questionable there, um, for information about Royal Rife. So I had to do a lot of digging, but I think I've uncovered what is basically true about this guy. Okay, give me, give me, I know nothing about him, so start me at the beginning. So he is an American inventor. He uh, was born in 1888, lived until 1971. Um, it's a good he, run good run yeah yeah good good long run um he was born in nebraska uh he came from a household his dad was a dad was a clever guy a mechanical engineer um and he it was a it was a german speaking household this is actually this is not a fact that we know about him this is based on his accent we guess this okay very little already is, into the suspect information i like it very little is known about his raising his childhood uh, exactly where or when he studied. We know at some point he probably studied at Johns Hopkins, um, and then he moved to Germany. Okay. He worked for an optical company, Zeiss Optical Company there, where he made microscopes, which is going to be a theme as, as we move forward. Okay. So he was there until uh, World War One started. Um, he got married and he started traveling Europe, got out of Germany. Um, interestingly, he developed some other some other kind of hobbies. He played guitar and French horn. And as you're going to learn, he was quite the inventor. He also built a hundred string guitar. Okay. See, that's a pretty crazy start. I was a little worried about this topic until just now. Um, that's not a, that's not something that I could, I mean, I'm barely, I've been playing for 10 years. I'm barely hanging in there with six strings. So are you, see, I don't know, because I'm not a musician, so do you think like a hundred string guitar would be challenging? I don't think you need to be a musician to, to know that a hundred string guitar <laughs> would probably be, be a little difficult. He also, I thought this was great, he held the um, high-powered motorboat speed record until his death. Nice! Okay, I so like a, this guy. A renaissance man. Yeah, sort of the predecessor of the most interesting man in the world. 
um, a little bit of everything. And when he when he came back to the U.S., uh, he got really interesting. So at this point, I, I'm not sure. I'm already pretty interested. I have to say, <laughs> I'm not sure what he actually had degrees in. Um, it's listed that he studied myriad fields. I know that he got a couple honorary degrees. I don't know if he got any actual degrees, but I know he got an honorary degree in parasitology from the University of Heidelberg. And he later got a doctor of science degree, again, honorary from the University of Southern California, although he actually never wrote them back. (laughs) They wrote him and said that he could have it. And then he never answered. And that was kind of the end of it. But I mean, I guess if if I get down there, I'll swing by and pick it up. Just leave it at the registrar's office or something. No big. So, so with whatever kind of background he had, we certainly know that he worked at a microscope company. Um, his initial work, that his foray into medicine, was that he was inventing microscopes. Yes. He was creating new microscopes with the uh, intention that he wanted us to be able to observe even smaller organisms than we already could. And he wanted to be able to see all the strings on his guitar. <laughs> so he could play it. So he could play it. Sensibly, you have to wear a ju- later he sized it back so he just wore a jeweler's ring, uh, and that allowed him to hit most of the strings. It, it would take him it would take him at least three days to play the first verse of any song, but it was worth the wait. You should hear his stairway. Gorgeous. Though. Get comfortable. <laughs> it's still happening. Get get a, actually get a hotel room while I'm thinking about it because you're going to be there for <laughs> still a while. echoing throughout the universe. Um, at the time, and I know this isn't going to mean much, but just to give you an idea, we could only see. Um, things that were about 200 nanometers. So what that excluded is that we couldn't see things like viruses. Mm-hmm. Okay, so basically his his thought was, I think that I'm really good with microscopes and I can make one that could see things that are even smaller. Um, Noble goal. He he created five different microscopes, like five different, well not in you know, right. I don't I think he probably made more than five. Right. But five different types of microscopes that were just called the Rife one through five. Um, each one hopefully improving upon the last one. Uh, but what made him the most famous was his Rife 3, which was uh, called the Universal Microscope. And the reason that this was such a big deal is that he said that he could not only view viruses with this microscope, which wouldn't be possible late until later with the invention of the electron microscope, which is how we usually view viruses today, Um but he said not only could he already see viruses, he could see living viruses. Okay. Uh, so, c- well, could he? Well, I'm not so sure about that. The, <laughs> the thing about the electron microscope is in order to see the viruses, we actually have to kill them first before mm-hmm. we can slice them down really small and, and take a look at them. He thought that what his microscope could do through the use of um, basically every kind of technique of microscopy at the time, and I am not a microscopist I have a passing familiarity with microscopes as much physicians do but um, I don't know all the ins and outs an amateur microscopist (laughs) I just I you know um, dabble in microscopy Uh, but he he used different types of of like microscope technique like there was the basic like light microscope and then there was like um, uh, dark field microscopy and you know all these different techniques and he said that he could see the viruses moving and living because if you could make the light you were emitting vibrate at a certain frequency and that frequency reached the same frequency that the organism naturally vibrates mm-hmm. because he believed that all organisms vibrated at a certain frequency. It's very Matthew McConaughey <laughs> of him. 
that at that moment it would emit a certain spectrum of light that you could, you know, see, that you could visualize. And then you could distinguish different particles based on what spectrum of light you were seeing under the microscope. That sounds very, this is all very confusing, Sydney. I just need you to tell me if it's true or not. I, as far as I can tell, this isn't true. Okay. I, right. and it, it, see, here's what's scary. Do you know how long it took me to figure that out? a while because I'm still piecing it together at first I, as I was reading I thought well maybe he really did invent a microscope that could see live viruses and here we, we're all talking crap about this guy but I'm pretty sure he didn't okay um, now it's hard to say for sure though because the problem is that um, none of these microscopes in like their original form exist today mm-hmm. there are some like blueprints one of the the Rife 5 microscopes may still exist in, in London somewhere, like at the um, Institute for Tropical Diseases, this is maybe, so odd, or though. Tropical why, why Medicine would that Hygiene. Be? Why would that be? Why would so few be extant? Uh, a lot of it was that he would take them apart, the older ones, and use them to try to build his newer ones. Okay, well, I can see so, that. So that was part of it, and then he was also giving them, he was, he was making, not giving them, he was selling them to people, and the people would get them and then try to take them apart so that they could figure out how they worked. Mm-hmm. And so, and they were very complex. I mean, if you, there are some pictures that you can find on the internet of these microscopes. And even if you don't know anything about microscopes, you could probably look at these and understand what I'm saying. They were just these huge uh, metal systems of lenses and condensers and all these lights and all these different stages. And some of them were super tall and some of them were very wide and they uh, look incredibly cumbersome. Okay. Um, not a not a centerpiece, not something you'd want to leave around. No, this is no. getting bulky. I'm going to take it apart and throw it away. And plus, he guarded them uh, very. You know, he was very secretive about them. Okay. He he didn't want people to know all about them, and very few people ever got to even take a look at them. Um, in 1978, you know, after he died, one of them at that point was still in existence, and uh, you know, there was some one scientist who was allowed to take a look at it and kind of dissect it, take it apart and try to figure out if it worked or not. Um, again, I don't think this was the famous number three universal microscope because that's what everybody wanted to look at. Um, and his assessment of the whole thing was that, and this is a quote, that it seems to have been constructed in such a way as to make the work of microscopy tedious and cumbersome. <laughs> <laughs> to make, just when you thought that uh, that that never-ending thrill ride of using a microscope could not get any l- more boring. Here comes uh, Royal Raymond Rife to make it even worse than it already is. Even worse than it was. And it, what was interesting is that they started analyzing. He took some photographs with a microscope. They're called a photomicrograph. If you take a you know a photograph through the lens, you've probably seen them in science textbooks. And he. Uh, most of the ones he took were probably either faked or not necessarily maliciously faked. They were just artifacts from like light shining so on the lens. Look and at stuff. that there. That there's uh, see, it's a germ. I told you it's a that I, I that looks like your, I think that's mustard. Is that your eyelash? You left some mustard and an eyelash on your microscope. I'm pretty sure it's a germ. I've done it. So at this point, you're probably wondering when we're going to start talking about medicine and stop talking about microscopes. Um, but it seems natural that if, you know, Raymond, if Royal Rife thought that he could, you know, see things like viruses, you know, germs that cause disease that other people couldn't see and that he understood something about them that other people didn't. This this um, rate that they vibrate or frequency that they oscillate, whatever. He got a God complex. Right? Yeah, well, that he thought maybe he could beat them. 
Oh, okay. So he based some of his theories. It's kind of interesting. On um, is it? Is it really interesting? I though? think it's interesting. Just to nerds. He he just he he started grasping at other weird theories that were, were around at the time. One was that uh, germs don't cause disease, but if you have an imbalance in your own body chemicals, then a bacteria that also is imbalanced can come into contact and then you can become even further imbalanced and that basically if you can just get your body imbalanced you can never become ill no matter what you become in con- what, what you come in contact with mm-hmm. he believed that and he also believed that there were only actually a handful of germs like bacteria and viruses and they just shifted from thing to thing throughout their life to cause different diseases so maybe it's the same thing that causes herpes at this point in its life causes tuberculosis later in its life. So sort of like uh, David Bruce Banner in the Incredible Hulk television series, just sadly moping on from body to body, seeing what <laughs> new adventures await. That's that's what viruses basically da, 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 da. do. Okay. Or that's what he thought they did. Yeah. He was wrong. He was. That's not true. Yeah, even I know that. Um, but what it all came down to is that these organisms had a mortal oscillatory rate, which we talked about, the frequency they vibrate, and what he thought was that just like you could make them light up when you viewed them um, with light, you know, of the same frequency, you could also vibrate them at that frequency to kill them. So. Like with electricity. So sweet. And what better indicator is there of the nature of man than the progression of, hey, I can see it now, to I'm going to kill it. <laughs> Look at that. I bet if I can see it, I can kill it. I, I can see it. I just, I mean, think about it. It's just logic. The, the whites of their it. little germy eyes. I can see it. So I'm going to try to kill it. <laughs> and it, at that point, it was very easy. That's why we can't see wind. Did you know that? That's why God made it so we can't see wind. Because then we'd kill it. We'd try to kill wind. That, we would. That's why we can't see oxygen. That's why you can't see oxygen. And we kill all the oxygen. There's some oxygen. And then we'd die. And we all die. Oops, who won? No one. Thanks, humans. Thanks, humans. You kill all the air. Thanks, Royal Rife. Um, so at that point, it seemed pretty easy. Like, how do you proceed? Well, you just start figuring out the frequency of different diseases. So he figured out the frequency of herpes and polio and meningitis and tetanus and flu. And This is also busted, though, because even though he could... Okay, so he had to know the frequency of the thing to see the thing, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, but how on earth is he figuring out the frequency of the thing other than just like turning a knob until it pops up is that what he yep. did he think did he mistake frequency with the focus knob is that maybe what's going on here maybe because the, the thing about his images is that when they when they used in some of the reports that you can read there were like i said there are a handful of things out there that you can read where they actually like studied his microscopes and tried to figure out for real if they worked i mean people wanted them to work at the time and there were there were people who thought he was a genius now not many but people wanted them to work and they would investigate them and they did find that while they probably could see things slightly smaller because of how many lenses and condensers and whatnot that than they could with other light microscopes, just slightly smaller, not viruses, um, that he lost so much in resolution with all mm-hmm. these series of lenses that he, it actually, you got a lot of artifact, a lot of act, uh, like halos around things and light and, you know, he, he had like a prism that he put in a certain part of the scope and it created these kind of light artifactual things that drifted around and um, you lost a lot of resolution with it. No good. I like HD science. So 
but the difference is, so yeah, he figured out the frequency with the light, but then he invented the microscope wasn't made to kill the cells. The microscope could just see them. The beam ray could kill them. Yes. Are you serious? Yes. He made a beam ray? He made a beam ray. Oh, this is so sweet. So you're telling me there's a guy, this guy, there's a guy somewhere in the annals of history who is uh, on a sweet speedboat that he's going faster than anybody's ever gone before and will ever again until he dies. And on top, he's straddling like a throne, playing a sweet 100 string <laughs> guitar solo. And in his, in his third hand that he has because he's using two on the guitar, he has a death ray. He's got a beam ray. Oh my God. Maybe he probably had it mounted on the boat. I don't know what I was I saying. I bet he I'm has sorry. it mounted. Of course it's he's mounted. got it mounted on the boat. Of course it's mounted on the boat. Duh. Now, now, what was this beam ray? Uh, I'm going to tell you what it was later made of because it was recreated in later years. Uh, the originals, again, we they don't exist as far as we can tell. Um, if they do, uh, maybe somebody's got them, but we don't know where they are. So it was some kind of tube with light in it, some kind of plasma light thing that, that shot a concentrated beam of light or something. Kind of like a, a black light. You it was a black light. It was a black light. It was pretty groovy. Um, Nothing's dead, but check this sweet Grateful Dead poster. He the the crazy thing is he started talking about this, and there were like a handful of other MDs who were like, "Yeah, okay, all right, I got this. This makes sense." And so they even help him helped him like open a clinic, and they would use his device on cancer patients. That's where this really came into play. So we could figure out the frequency of all these infectious things. But at that point, we had other methods that we were investigating of treating infectious things. Cancer, then, as is true today, is the thing that we don't know how to beat. So why not try it on cancer? If it can fi- figure out the you know the frequency that any cell vibrates, why not a cancer cell? Yeah, that's where I would start. Don't, ki- don't learn how to kill skin cells. What's well, the point of that? No, that's probably a waste of time. Yeah. And he also, he believed that there was a virus that caused all cancer, too, which is part of why he thought that this would work um so he opened this clinic uh there are no records really of how people did and it depends on what you read um they probably if you're running a a a sweet clinic where the main focus is death rays you probably don't want a lot of extensive documentation uh uh, excuse me dr ripe should we uh should we uh write this case down no I tried to use a death ray on him, uh, and he and he just and he di- died. He died. So let's just keep this one on the DL between you and me, my man. I mean, there were definitely like isolated records of people who didn't do well and got sent to other facilities for further treatment. And um, well, let, let's what for treatment? <laughs> yeah, well, not for, for like a for different actual treatment, for like a real treatment. Um, I think the clearest indication that it wasn't successful is that there aren't records of it if you invented a cure for cancer ray wouldn't you want to write it down and publish it yeah after i finished like building a statue to myself and having people like give me a bajillion dollars maybe he was really secretive about it what was great is that it didn't it didn't do very well at this clinic but as a result more people jumped on board and built him a larger clinic in pasadena and a lab underneath where he could continue to you know perfect his beam ray and he kept treating it at this place, not just cancer patients, but all kinds of patients with diseases with this at, ray. At, at some point in the story, James Bond does step in to stop him, right? Before he gets like full world domination mode. I love that it's, it's Ray's Ray. 
His middle name is Raymond. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, totally. Saying. I can't believe I missed that. <laughs> uh, what was even better is that uh, he, with the success or whatever he or was whatever having. whatever you call this. Whatever you call this. Um, he joined the Beam Ray Company. The what? There was a Beam Ray Company. I think it already existed before what? he like he it was it was other beam rays other types of beam rays and maybe rays that did not cure listen, cancer uh, like his ray. Listen, uh, uh, board of directors, I'm gonna be straight with you. It's been another tough year for the beam ray company. This <laughs> strong downward trend uh, you can see is our profits. I think we can source it back to what the problem's always been: the lack of existence of a beam ray. <laughs> That is really putting a crunch on us. Uh, anyway, don't forget to sign up for softball with uh, Vicky. <laughs> and uh, I'll see you next year. Um, at this point, with the Beam Ray Company, his devices started to be... Um, they, I don't want to say mass-produced, because that's really a, an overstatement. More were made. They were sold to patients in different places. And then the legal battles began. It started with um, one of his own partners, that one of the other doctors who initially worked with him suing him in 1939, and it just continued from then on. Um, most people felt like that the, the beam ray didn't work. Uh, they thought the um, microscopes were suspect. He was still making and sending microscopes to people, and they were incomplete, and they didn't work, and people couldn't replicate his results. Um, the AMA got involved and basically said, this is all bunk, you know, none of this is, none of this is true. Um, he just thought it was some kind of vast conspiracy mm -hmm. and kept on, you know, fighting. He moved to Utah for a while. He found some limited support. He actually got a little bit of support from the Church of Latter-day Saints there from some isolated groups, but then, uh, but then they kind of let go of that too. Um, so he basically kind of ran out of people who believed in him. Um, and he was spending all of his time in court and, uh, he just kind of quit at that point. So in the, in the sixties, he kind of gave up, started drinking a lot, joined the Bahi faith. And then he died in 1971, probably of alcoholism as much as old age. Mm -hmm. Um, and this sounds like a really sad story, although, I mean, he did make a fake cure for cancer, so I don't know. Yeah. And I'm sure he charged people money for it. So like. He did. I, his main interest was in the science of it. He was a very, um, um, he, he paid a lot of attention to detail. You know, he, he, he liked the idea of building these giant meticulous um, microscopes. And I don't know where he got lost in this whole science thing, mm -hmm. cancer thing. Just the being right and the proof part. But yeah. this would just be like an interesting little footnote in history. A guy made a crazy ray. He... Obviously, it didn't work, and then he, he died penniless and drunk. But in the 80s, a book came out called The Cancer Cure That Worked. And included in this book was Royal Rife's Beam Ray, the lost cure for cancer that the AMA suppressed, that the insurance companies and Big Pharma don't want you to know about. Yeah. And at that point, interest in what became known as the Rife device um, was really revived. Uh, and so a lot of people started to believe that if we could recreate this Rife device, we could cure cancer. Um, and so they started marketing their own kind of knockoffs based on this information under his name, although none of them were probably anything like the original Beam Ray. 
Um, this is sort of like the uh, the the time machine that Napoleon Dynamite's brother buys in that in that movie, right? I mean that that sort of thing. It buy it off the internet, assemble with parts you have at home. That exactly, sort of exactly. If you send in enough box tops, you, you get, get your one. own hovercraft and <laughs> made from garbage bags and cardboard boxes. Most of the ones that started to be uh, created in the '80s and then into the '90s were um, okay. Were basically constructed of nine volt batteries a switch, uh, a timer, and then two kind of like copper tubes that you could put on the person. Mm -hmm. And they did produce a very, very minor current. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty much it. They were also helpful for uh, seeking out troublesome thetans that uh, were <laughs> keeping you from ascending up to OT2. This sounds kind of similar. Yeah, it, mm -hmm. that the, 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 the device you just described is very close to to an e-meter, save for, you know, uh, the, the little hey, dial that Maybe you. that's why I can't find out much information about Royal oh Rife. Oh my god, it's a plot of Xenu. I'm just saying. He's sending out secret messages from the volcano he's buried under, and he's keeping the Rife device suppressed. Classic. Well, and, and to continue this narrative, in the 90s, they became involved in basically what was a giant pyramid marketing scheme, mm -hmm. so there you go. Um, and uh, there were a lot of um, advertisements that it could, again, cure cancer, it could fight HIV was a big uh, narrative that they tried to sell. Um, but most of the people, you know, as we move into the 90s who, who sold this were eventually convicted of fraud. Um, people were charged with the death of cancer patients who, you know, used that instead of actual treatments for cancer. And, uh, um, and it kind of, it began to fall out of favor. So... Mm -hmm. um, Today, this is still something, you know, I should say in 2006, there was a conference held in Seattle for Rife devices, and 300 people went, and they sold devices illegally, I should add. You can't, you can't sell these medical devices because they're not medical devices, but they did sell them as medical devices. <laughs> they're just boxes that just, shock you. It's <laughs> nine volt batteries. Sure, I'll give you two hundred dollars. I think what's more impressive is that in two thousand six they were able to find that many nine volt batteries. Yeah, I, absolutely. <laughs> when was the last time you saw one of those on the shelf? Um, again, today none of the scopes exist in entirety. Maybe a Rife Five in London. I'm not. I'm not sure on that. Again. Everything's pretty Seriously, sketchy. Don't write us in with corrections on this stuff because whatever source you're reading is just as likely to be fake as the one that's <laughs> it's found. Well, and this is the thing you have to know. And and I found as frustrated as I was as I spent hours pouring over all of the internet looking for information about this guy. Um, I, I found someone who echoed my sentiment, which is that for every, you know, one piece of information that you find that is true about Royal Rife, you're going to find like a hundred different web pages and articles and testimonies that are just patently false, that are people claiming that this was a secret cure for cancer that was, you know, um, eliminated by the government and by the AMA and by the insurance companies and Big Pharma and blah, 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 and that we don't want you to have the cure for cancer, so it's been hidden from you. Which, of course, is ridiculous. No, because it could make a lot of money and no one no one would keep that a secret. No. Someone it, would be selling it to you, guaranteed. It would and make his a name lot of wouldn't money. be like Cancer Battler 971, top eBay user rating <laughs> of 338. Like it's not gonna be that guy who's profiting off of it, I can guarantee you. And and to be fair, if I could if I could inject just a little bit of earnestness into the cynical conversation, 
you know, the AMA, the American Medical Association, though I am not a member, is made up of physicians. I am one as well. And I'd like to believe that there are some of us who actually want to help people as much as maybe people don't believe that anymore. There are a lot of us who are in it for, you know, who probably would have let it slip at a cocktail party, perhaps. Trust me, guys, if I had the cure for cancer, I'd tell you. Cancer? Why do you still have cancer? I've said too much. I didn't say that. I didn't say it. Don't tell. They're going to kick me out. But there's the there's the truth, guys. At this point, there aren't that many bad people in the world. And at this point, if there was a cure for cancer, somebody would have let it out. So yeah. I don't think the Rife device was it. Sadly. Um, I don't think it hurt anybody. I mean, except for the shock. And for the people who didn't seek treatment for their cancer because they ha- thought they had it with this death ray. <laughs> that Well, that's a, that's a fair point. Yeah. Um, so, so there you go. That's the story of Royal Rife. Again, if you want to do a more exhaustive search of the internet and find even more information, please be my guest. (laughs) There's a lot out there. I have read some of the craziest things I've ever read in my life in search of information. So if you want a good laugh, I would also, um, advise that. And if you, uh, come upon a Rife device in your travels, you can send that to 50 PO box 54, (laughs) Huntington, Virginia, 25706. Yeah, and Saw if you find or... a, a rife uh, a microscope, I'd love to see one of those too. Don't still not clear. Maybe one in London. If you got it, London, Possibly. let me know. If you're in London, swing by like all the museums and see if you see it around. Uh, anyway, that's going to do it for us on uh, this new episode of Sawbones. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you for joining us on our new time slot on a Tuesday. We assume some people will still be a little bit confused, so uh, please. Please uh, tweet about this this episode, especially. Uh, you're always tweeting about it, but, but this week especially, it really meant a lot. Just tweet out a link to the show. You can just use sawboneshow.com or link to our iTunes page, whatever you want to do. Thanks to people tweeting about the show, like Deanna Pop and Sean Pop. I think Pop or Pape. I don't know. Uh, but they're going to listen to the show during dinner. So enjoy. Uh, Jeremy Frank, Allie Stallbrand, Allie C, Bree Hughes, Allie C again. She tricked me. Uh, Brian, Teresa Gallagher, Joe Smith, Prohibition Bakery, Megan Lynn, Joey Welzer, Allie Burnham, uh, Jordan, Beth Gilmore, Cat, Sarah Perry. Thank you so much for tweeting about the show. Um, please uh, follow in these fine people's footsteps and help us spread the word. And you can tweet at us at Justin McElroy. She's at Sydney McElroy. S Y D N E E. And of course at Sawbones. At Sawbones is our. Uh, other thing you can also uh, visit us on our home maximumfun.org that's where sawbones show goes just to our page there on maximum fun uh and, and uh you can listen to all the other great programs there like jordan jesse go new shows like uh, the goose down and the, the reborn international waters uh judge john hodgman stop podcasting yourself my brother my brother and me oh thank you so much and so many others to so make sure you uh listen to those shows and make sure you join us again next Tuesday for another episode of Sawbones. Until then, I'm Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.